This is John. This is Dan. And this is She's Not a Slut Yet. This is a podcast about three friends watching cult movies and drinking together. This week we'll be reviewing my pick, Army of Darkness, which was released in 1992. Uh, so Dan, go ahead, take it away with some box office stats. Right right before he does, why is it that everywhere that I went online to, to kind of look about this movie, they always quoted it in 1993 and 1992. Like, why? I don't know. I couldn't like, figure that out. That freaked me out. I was like, excuse me, do I have the right movie? Possible that it like it came out in theaters in '92 and then it came to video on '93, but regardless, it's from the early '90s. It probably so, didn't uh, go to very many theaters, like he's going to mention. Yeah. So as far as this movie goes, at the box office, it took 11 million dollars to make. It made four million dollars in its opening, so that's it's not bad considering how much it made overall. Um, only made 11 million, so barely broke even worldwide. It did not get an international release, so that's your domestic total is the total. It won 12 awards and had seven nominations. It's pretty highly rated considering once you watch this movie, it seems uh, kind of campy. But it has 7.5 stars on IMDb, 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, and then 87% for the audience score. So it's uh, pretty well liked for a, uh, a third sequel of a kind of awesome trilogy. All right. Well, Nadine, tell us some interesting facts. I, I will tell you lots of interesting facts. Are you ready for it? All right, so all three Evil Dead films came can be seamlessly cut together, which has been done by fans, though some introductory footage in the sequels is lost. This is the third, obviously, of the movies, but I feel like this one itself could actually be a standalone if you watched the first ones, or anyone who's a horror fan who's watched the first ones of these, you would know like it's completely different, but also similar to the other first two. Bruce Campbell says that in order to make it appear that the chainsaw was run, always running, tobacco smoke was pumped through a tube, that was slid up his right pant leg, up his shirt, and into the chainsaw. During filming of the climatic sword fight at Arthur's castle, Bruce Campbell suffered a small gash to his face when a decorative pin on his cape cut him during a stunt. <clears throat> he was immediately taken from the Pulsa Rosa Ranch location to see a plastic surgeon to assess the damage. At the examination, the doctor had to have the actual injury pointed out amid the myriad special effects scars and cuts Ash's character had accumulated during the story. Campbell was treated and returned to set shortly after to finish the scene. Where'd he get cut? What, what doctor was this? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't mean, know where he's bleeding. There's too much. There's too much. There's too much. So during filming, <laughs> the Oldsmobile Delta 88 falling out of the sky was shot twice. During the first attempt, the 25-ton crane lifting the car failed due to mechanical problems and toppled over the edge of the cliff at the quarry level. <laughs> <laughs> where filming was taking place. Fortunately, no injuries occurred because the crane operator jumped from the cab before the crane went over the edge. Days later, a larger 80-ton crane was brought in to remove the damaged crane and reshoot the car drop. In the final edit, elements of the reshoot, as well as footage from the end of Evil Dead 2, were used. Wait, did they drop the same Oldsmobile twice? Probably, because that's actually the director's car. Because I remember watching it, and I thought the roof was already pre-dented before it landed again. It's so, I think they dropped, they were like, uh, I don't have the money for another car, so here you go, guys. So, the car, <laughs> that's, that's I think, place. I'm pretty sure it's actually the director's car. Unless he got, like, a second, <laughs> like, his that was dropped or something like that. But I'm pretty sure he had that car, and he used it in a lot of his movies in the earlier years. So when you have that scene where they're pulling shit out of the trunk, that shit was already in there. Like, he had already had all of that in there. That was just his stuff in his trunk. 
It's like, not only is he too lazy to get a new car, he's also too lazy to clean the car. Oh, this this, this director's my kind of cup of tea. Actually, you'll recognize the director if I send a picture. Yeah, I was going to say it. in all three movies and the show, I think. Uh, let me see if I can find his picture. He's a pretty famous director, too, if you're a Marvel fan. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to bring that up when we get into, like, the... Uh... Oh, but you, you you unfortunately decided to, you know, pre-say it all. So now we weren't expecting it. It's not as great. That's unfortunate, I'm dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, um, director Sam Raimi. Yeah, look him up. Yeah. You'll be able to recognize him. Okay, let me let me look up his uh his nice little mug. Oh my god, he's that weird, creepy looking dude. <laughs> he did yep. Spider Man? Yep. Yeah. Wait. And he's doing the uh, the next. Doctor he's doing Strange. Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. All right. For some reason, I now have an appreciation for this man. Yeah. All right. I almost, I legitimately almost just yelled out to my fiance. So come here, look at this, and I realized I'm in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> so right. this film was infamous for having four different versions: the U.S. theatrical, the European, the director's cut and US TV version, each included deleted extended scenes as well as scenes that were re-edited in a different order, depending on what version the viewer was actually watching. The one that had the most restored scene was the 90-minute US TV version. All these versions have been compiled in a box set that was released in both the US and Germany. Yeah, that's, like the, that's like the plug-and-play Nintendo 64 crap they pulled with the Japanese version and the American version, the Canadian version, all that stuff. Yep. So during the Why? Scene they didn't even make that. They didn't. I'm so sorry. Did they? They didn't even make it past the international level, right? So why did they release so many cuts? They, well, they didn't make it internationally when it was released that way, but obviously it made it overseas because you have the European version and it's mm. released in Germany as well. So there's fans all over the world for this movie. Like these these three movies, and there's a show now that's on like uh, I think it's on Netflix that they're. You would not like the first two. They're not supposed to be serious. The first two are not supposed to be serious, but they're really, really gory. Um, and they're supposed to be kind of comedic. And they definitely have one-liners in them. But the first one in particular, I think you would have a hard time watching. The second one, you'd probably have an easier time watching, to be honest with you. Uh, this one was the easiest of the three, which is why I picked this one first. So it would be a I little bit easier that. of a pill for you to yeah. swallow once we get to the other two. Instead of force feeding me, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think any of them were like huge box office successes, but we'll. Uh... No, but they have a huge following enough that they actually yeah. have fucking they, three seasons it, on Netflix. Exactly. So, like, I think they gained fandom as time went on, rather than just having the initial success. All right, Nadine, read the next so, one. I've distracted you long enough. Hurry up and do your job. During the scene where Ash is being pelted with rocks, fake rocks were used, but to get a more realistic reaction out of Bruce Campbell, and partially as a prank, director Sam Raimi pelted him with potatoes. This cup was used. <laughs> pelted him with potatoes! Okay, alright, Nadine. During the final battle between mm. the Deadites and Ash's men, evil Ash lets out a war cry that is almost identical to that of Xena. Warrior Princess, a series in which Ted Raimi and Bruce Campbell both featured, and which was also produced by Sam Raimi. I think I've heard of that movie before. It's not a movie; it's a TV show. Xena, the Warrior Seriously. Princess. Like, well, that, 
Well, that's even worse then. I'm so sorry. I want to go home you now. You should be sorry. You should be sorry. What's wrong with you? No, I shouldn't. You guys are weebs for old shit. I'm just the... You know what? I'm, I'm the latter end of the millennials, and you guys are the earlier versions. You're just worn out, used ones. Are you not no fucking Hercules? That's a Disney movie. What correlation does that have? Oh. The oh, show. The TV show. What's wrong with you? How can you know the movie and not know the show? I'm because it's a Disney I am, movie. I am sending you. I am sending you links. I'm telling you where to go to go watch this TV show, both of them, and you're gonna watch them. I don't even care if you don't like them. We're gonna watch them again. I bet you a million bucks. Okay. Well, I got an idea, Nadine. Would you come over? We can watch them together. I, I sign me up for that. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I know. Okay, okay, move on from you, your weeb yeah. stuff, Nadine, and go on to the next one. All right. The first that I asked for from the pit was known as the pit bitch <laughs> to the cast and grew. <laughs> I just love how she just immediately was like, all right, I understand. It just moves on. Sam Raimi, uh, Oldsmobile, the beat-up Oldsmobile that goes through time with Ash, begin belongs to director Sam Raimi, just what I told you. He included it in most of his early movies, each time more banged up than the last. The items in the trunk of the Oldsmobile are not product placements. They're what Raimi actually had in his trunk. Wait, so wait. Did I just infer that? I'm so mad. I could have just scrolled down and read it and just kept my mouth shut. But nope, you already wrote it down. Yep. All, all right. right. All right. No, let me... All right. All right, pit bitch. Let's go. Let's get it together. Come on. Pit bitch. Excuse me. All right. So, <laughs> the movie begins with Ash being dragged through the desert with the rest of the captured slaves, which is more like war prisoners, and as he goes over the events landing him in the 1300s. The scene then shifts to show Ash's previous life just before he and his car were sucked through a portal to the 1300s and surrounded by Lord Arthur's knights. Ash is then captured as a follower of Henley the Red. Oh, and just ignore um, his, uh, his current girlfriend at the time who just died and then that was the end of her forever. From there... We see Ash and the other prisoners being walked through town as the people cheer for their capture. A woman named Sheila comes up to Lord Arthur to ask about her brother when she hears the news of his death and immediately turns her grief towards the prisoners. Ash and the prisoners are then led to a pit and are sentenced to it. After seeing one of the man's blood spray out of the pit, Ash pleads his innocent but eventually is pushed and falls into the pit anyways. In the pit, Ash is attacked by a deadite while the walls of the pit begin to close with spikes. As he fights off the deadite, the wise man who vouched for him throws him his chainsaw in the pit to him, and Ash defeats the deadite and escapes the closing wall in the nick of time. Ash then lets Henry the Red and his men free after decking Arthur, and the people of town just let him go free. Arthur is pissed Ash let Henry go, and attempts to duel Ash, but Ash just shoots the sword in half with his shotgun. They pulled from, you know, the year 2000-something. From there... Or, wait, would it be 1980? Alright, from there, Ash tries to scare the town into compliance, but ends up earning their respect instead when he shoots a deadite back into the pit. The scene then shifts to show Ash being fed by women as Sheila comes in to apologize for her behavior. As she talks to him, the wise man walks in and tells Ash he's able to go home if Ash quests for the Necronomicon. As Ash vehemently de denies the suggestion, the old woman cooking turns into a deadite and attacks them. Ash, of course, defeats her and is, and is forced to agree for the quest of the Necronomicon. After creating a mechanical fake hand, making out with Sheila, and being told a sacred set of words to remember, Ash sets off on his quest for the Necronomicon. As he gets closer to the graveyard where the book is held, he's chased by the evil from the book through the woods and into a windmill. 
Thinking it's best to wait out the evil, Ash sets up camp in the windmill. While cooking dinner for him, he sees himself in the mirror and breaks the mirror, letting loose a dunny mini hymns that cause chaos. After knocking Ash out and tying him up, one of the little Ashes jumps into his mouth and starts to grow a larger version of himself off of Ash's body. After it separates from Ash's body, it introduces itself as Bad Ash and begins dancing and singing that Ash is a goody two-shoes until Good Ash shoots his face off. Ash then st gets started on dismembering Bad Ash's body and burying it as Bad Ash tells him he will never get the Necronomicon. Just, that entire scene was so confusing to me. <laughs> I just, oh, okay. Um, from there, Ash travels directly to the graveyard to get the book. Once there, Ash finds there's not one, but three books to choose from. Deciding to get just, just choose one, Ash opens the closest book and gets sucked inside of it. After desperately climbing out of the book, Ash picks up a second book and gets attacked by the book and bit on the hand it flies around him like a bat. After failing the first two times, Ash goes to pick up the book and recites the words, but he can't quite remember all of the words, so he just says, fuck it, pretends to say all the words and tries to take the book anyways. After Ash picks up the book, the dead begin coming out of their graves and the headstones are shooting off like rockets. And as Ash runs away, the scene then shifts the show Evil Ash being resurrected as well. When Ash arrives back to Lord Arthur's castle, he finds his mistake will most likely destroy this town, the town and argues to be sent back. Lord Arthur agrees to send him back once he sees that Ash won't help them, and the town turns their back on him. After fighting with Sheila for his decision, um, a flighting deadite swoops in, terrorizing the town and eventually kidnaps Sheila, which is hilarious. The scene then shifts to see Evil Ash has become the leader of the Army of the Dead, and is ordering for more of the dead to be dug up so they can take back the book. He then demands for Sheila to be brought to him and immediately assaults her, making out with his nasty little face. Back at Arthur's castle, scouts has arrived with news of the dead army's approach, and the town begins to think it's best that they leave. Of course, Ash is like, uh-huh, and steps in and convinces everyone to stay and fight for as long as Henry the Red and his army come as reinforcements. The scene then shifts to the undead army gathered as Sheila is revealed to now be a deadite. The scene then switches again to show Lord Arthur and his men retrieving Ash's car from where they had left it. From there, the men armor the car and put together weapons from Ash's trunk. After finishing the preparation, the scout rides in and tells everyone the army of the dead is coming. From there, we see the undead army head towards the castle to get a book. Ash and Lord Arthur's men are able to hold them off with some of the weapons they created from Ash's trunk, but there were too many dead, and eventually they breach the castle with a lot of hilarious dying noises. After the breach, Ash drives around his car, running over the dead until he sees Sheila and crashes his car. After crashing his car, Sheila turns into a deadite and attacks him. As Ash kicks deadite Sheila into the pit, Lord Arthur is shot with arrows trying to protect the book. The battle looks more like it's coming to an end with the dead on the winning side when Henry and his men ride in to save the day. As things are looking to be heading up, the Deadite Captain, or, you know, Evil Ash, reborn, starts cutting his way through to the book. The Deadite Captain almost reaches it when Ash attacks him. As they fight, they travel up the castle walls, allowing Ash to set the Deadite Captain on fire and kick him over the wall. Just as Ash thought he won, the Captain climbs back up the wall, now a skeleton, mind you, and grabs the book, then kicks Ash down by the catapults. The Deadite Captain then jumps down after Ash to kill him, landing on the catapult that just so happened to have explosives on it. And to end the battle, Ash grabs the book back and catapults the Deadite General in the air, which explodes. After the battle ends, Sheila miraculously comes back to life and reunites with Ash. Arthur and Henry make a truce with each other and decide to create a unifying kingdom of their people. The scene then shifts to show the wise man getting Ash a potion and telling him to recite three magic words to go back to his time. Ash and Sheila then kiss before he rides 
And he leads on his horse to go back to his own time. The scene then fades away as he's riding off to the sunset, and, and Ash is telling his story to his co-worker at, you know, S-Mart. S-Mart. Smart. As the day goes on, one of his female co-workers approach him to tell him they like his story when the evil from the book comes back and creates a deadite out in the one of the customers. Ash obviously just kills her and saves the female co-worker he was talking to. The movie ends with Ash saying, Hail to the king, baby, before kissing the co-worker he just saved. You cannot tell me this is not just a mix of uh of Rambo and the oh god what is that what is that guy's name the um hey there sexy mama like that guy Johnny Bravo it's Rambo and Johnny Bravo mixed together I can see Johnny Bravo Johnny Bravo no uh I I can I I see a lot of Johnny Bravo in this guy like whoever created Johnny Bravo definitely took some inspiration okay. To, to start this out on a review note before I take another shot, just to kind of drown away the, the pain of reading that, um, I have to tell you, when I first watched this movie, I was fully hands gripped on the seat in my chair. I told the toy to leave the room. I had my lights on. I had my alcohol at the ready. And the first scene happened, and then all the tension just fucking disappeared. And I'm like, is this really a horror movie? <laughs> and then every single common trope one-liners, his girlfriend just dying, him being grabbed by skeleton hands, and then getting like a like literal two-minute scene of him being poked in the eye and grabbed in the mouth by hands, and he's going, ha, he, ha. I was just like, oh my god, Nadine, what did you make me watch? <laughs> this is, I'm not even sure if this is a movie. This is just comedic vomit everywhere. It's kind of like, it's got that family guy energy where they just kind of shotgun a bunch of jokes at you and hope that one sticks and then you remember that scene. This is definitely one of the least horror of the three, for sure. And it's actually the least (laughs) gory of the three of them. But all three are not meant to be serious. None of them are meant to be serious movies. They're all kind of supposed to be like making fun of horror movies. This one is like making fun of horror movies and uh fantasy movies all in one and it's got all yeah. the tropes from the original movies in it and it's it's just it's just a i think it's just a good movie personally i like how trashy it is to the point where it's actually become kind of hilarious you know yeah like this is definitely a bunch of tropes thrown into a blender from like, like horror like fantasy texan chain texas chainsaw massacre yeah. and all that other nonsense which i haven't watched by the way i just know there's a chainsaw and then they they just put like a, a huge comedic blanket over all of it, and it it, it comes together in my opinion. But <laughs> it's okay. I really want to tear this down by some scenes, right? I have uh, so many things that about this movie just they irk me so much they make me laugh. They just, they do. So I'm going to actually go through the synopsis, like, partially, just to kind of get some things. But in the beginning... Left out some scenes, just so you know. (laughs) Wait, what? I left out some scenes in this description, just so that... Well, I'll just, I'll try and remember it as best as my ability, then. So, I mentioned this before, but him and his girlfriend go to the woods... And his girlfriend just straight up dies. And his instant response is, isn't the, my wife, my girlfriend, it's, oh no. Let me get the chainsaw out of the car. Oh no. The first three movies. <laughs> it's just like, 
Who is this woman? Why was she here? What was her watch, purpose? Just to if die? You, if you watch the what, first two movies, you would totally get it. But if you're going into this, you're just like, okay, so she's the side character that died. But when you watch, because I, when I first watched these movies, I watched them out of order. I watched three, then I watched two, then I watched the first one because I didn't realize it was a trilogy. My older brother had this movie like on DVD, so I just watched it when I was younger. And then I didn't realize there was other ones, and I found other ones, and I was like, oh, it's the same guy who plays in this movie. And I was like, oh, wait a second, this is the one that came before this movie. And then I was like, oh, there's another one that comes before this one. And that's how I watched them. So when you yeah, watch Oh, it, so basically you, you pulled a uh, um, watching the Star Wars out of order type of thing. Well, Kinda, so yeah. I had the opposite effect, because Nadine showed me the first two last year, and I really liked them, and I saw, like, the, I think it's on Netflix, the Ash versus Evil show. Evil Dead. Evil Dead. So yeah, like I watched those, and I she when I heard when this movie came up on the list, I didn't I didn't realize it was the third of that trilogy or like that that series. Mm-hmm. So watching this, I completely forgot about those movies, and I, I didn't realize. But like they're so they're so disconnected, like they they're connected, but there's really no reason. There's nothing it t- pulls from like the previous movies other than oh. the chainsaw head, and honestly, that goes to the wayside like ten minutes. So- to answer my question, though, where, who was this woman? Was she big in the other two movies? Yeah, that was his first girlfriend. She's really big in the TV shows, too. So she turns... Well, she just two. dies? She doesn't just die. So you can connect all these three movies together pretty seamlessly because at the end of the second movie, you do see, like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you see him and the car get sucked into a portal, and then that's where they end up in the third movie. But in the first movie... It's it's the Evil Dead, and the first movie is about him, his sister, his friend, his girlfriend, his friend's girlfriend, all going to a cabin in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. We're gonna watch this movie at some time, so um, there's not this is not really spoilers because you're gonna hate this movie and you're gonna like hate me for making you watch it. But basically, they all kind of die because there's like the Necronomicon. They listen to a tape where like um, an archaeologist had read from the Necronomicon which follows the Evil Dead which is already kind of in the farce anyway and it starts like slowly but surely possessing all everyone around him except for him uh, well it possesses his hand but he cuts his hand off so that's why he doesn't have a hand and his girlfriend turns into a fucking laughing demon doll looking person and he ends up having to kill her and he like is heartbroken about it she comes up in like the show, the second movie, the third movie, like she's always on his mind, but he's always fucking a million other girls. So like, I don't know how serious you can take his love for her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, okay. So she's just a random character to add some spice to it. I get it. I get it. You know, a lot well, of '80s movies, a lot of '80s and '90s movies are like that. I get it. I get it. No, she was actually one of the main characters though in the first movie. Because she that's did. even that's even more hilarious. They just gave you a yeah. middle finger to the first two. Oh, pretty much. So, yeah. so that's good. That's good. The next part. How does his chainsaw work? He doesn't have a hand. What do you mean? How does he use it? Oh, I think it was either the first movie or the second movie. He like sh- is shown making it into like as like a limb. <laughs> So that he could use it as if yeah. it was his hand. <laughs> but how? <laughs> it still works. Like Why? A it still works like a. Yeah, but like oh, another thing. Where's the gasoline? Excuse me. Is this like 
How? Like, I, I, it's, it's such a stupid little thing that's a common trope. And I know they're just picking fun with it, but it still irks me. I'm just, I hear it, boom, boom, and I'm like, how is he revving this? How? <laughs> his other hand, he's like putting it on his hip and it's, he's revving it. Is it like, you know, I just, <clears throat> this, is, this is one of those things that if, if, if that, like, if you can't get your head wrapped around that, then this movie's just not, not for you, man. <laughs> There's so many things about this movie. <laughs> Where, like, here's another one. Here's another one. Why the fuck did he break a mirror and then many hymns come out? Okay, I gotta explain that. Why did they try to stab him with a tiny little fork? I gotta explain that. Are you ready for it? So when he... Oh, he... no, you can explain everything, Nadine, but it's not gonna help. Well, I'm gonna do it now. Explain you'll realize, it. Tell me. You'll realize how wrong you I, are. You'll I want to hear the explanation because I never really got that either. Yeah, I just okay, so, go. So when Ash is sitting down, he turns around and sees himself standing in the mirror. He punches the mirror because he's clearly got an evil entity inside the mirror. So that's the reason why he tries to break it because he's fucking sitting down and there's a standing him staring back at him in the fucking mirror. So basically what happens is when he shatters it, the evil that comes from the Necronomicon gets shattered into multiple pieces and creates multiple mini hymns as the reflection because the reflection was broken up and they come out instead of coming out as one being, they come out as mini beings. And so that's the explanation. <laughs> that's even more confusing. <laughs> why was the, why? Why does breaking the mirror suddenly make mini hymns? Was it gonna come out as a full size? Why was it in the mirror in the first place? So the evil was following him because it was trying to possess him. So it went into the mirror and was like using the mirror as a way to get <laughs> I'm here to talk to you about your car's extended warranty, Sorry, sir. Punches the like, mirror. Like that, like that. Oh my. If you just saw the first, the second movie, and even if you see the show, like it makes so much sense because the in every single also you know warrior princesses in the fucking show by the way <laughs> just want to mention i haven't watched any of these and you said i'd have no problem watching it standalone i am so confused about what this movie is why everything happens and you're not gonna get much for the first two okay <laughs> i have another one then i have another one okay okay the skeleton hands that came out <laughs> of the earth why did they just only have hands? Why did they go for his face? Why did they tickle his mouth? It was for comedic Why did they effect. put their fingers in his that, nose? That was the reason. It Why did he try and spit them out with his nose? Just, just comedy. Wait, they're trying to, they're trying to stop him, kill him. What do they do? Pick his nose for him. They I mean, slap him on the face a, a couple of times. They shocked his face. Get out! It's in his mouth. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't understand it. It's just... Uh... Okay. Okay, I get it. Where did the chemistry book come from? The trunk. If you just casually say it's in the back of his car, why do you have chemistry 101 in the back of your car? Ask that to the director. That man does not look like he went to college. <laughs> That man looks like he's from, he's playing what's his face from the office or not that that um office movie you guys maybe watch holding up the mug. He looks Sorry, like him. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The funniest part about that statement that you did is when I was watching it, 
again tonight like uh a few nights ago for the, like the synopsis portion of it i was like wait a second so the director was the one who had that book in his trunk already like he didn't place it there for product placement why the fuck would the dude not clean out his trunk since college like why the fuck was that in there <laughs> That's even funnier. Like, if he used the things in his trunk to just randomly create this movie. Right. Like, why was it in there? Like, what, did he not clean out his trunk? Because they said that- He just emptied his trunk. He saw all the ingredients to the recipe, and he's like, aha, the Powerpuff Girls. I create you and create this fucking movie. If you just opened my trunk right now, and it was just a movie, like, I think you have, like, your, like, niece's, like, Polly Pocket stuff. I think they're actually your toys from your kid that you're supposed to give your nieces- yeah, I did, like, I did. I did. Oh my, <laughs> my trunk is literally empty. There is not a damn thing in there. Only a spare tire and that's it, right? I do not have chemistry 101 in my trunk. Why do you need a textbook in your car? <laughs> he just never cleaned it out. That's not besides the point. Why is he studying it like it's the most brilliant thing in the world in creating gunpowder, bombs, flaming arrows? Like, <laughs> I wanted to know this when I was a kid. Like, why? Why would you actually have all the ingredients to create gunpowder <laughs> laying around? I mean, that 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 is some, like... I, I like I love the fact that it's just random shit in his trunk and he's incorporating it into the plot of the movie. That's... Right? That I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that just that for that fact, I think this movie's getting bumped up a point and a half. Dude, yes! Like, this movie, to me, just doesn't make any sense... Like, I haven't watched the other stuff, right? So to Nadine, it's like, oh, yeah, that has an explanation. What is this movie then by itself, right? I've only watched this movie. I'm seeing little jiggly skeletons that clearly look like they're being waved off camera. And they tried to, uh, like, they paused it, put the, put the skeleton in different stop motion freaking jiggly skeletons. And that's an enemy? Or, wait, like, I just... Wait, do you see the other movies? You're gonna be like, what the fuck, Nadine? Yeah. You're like, how did you get any of this out of this? What? How did you watch that one first? Why did you watch this? Why are you watching any of these movies? Go fuck yourself. So this is what I think of when I think of a cult classic movie. When I agreed to do this podcast, <laughs> this is the shit I was expecting. This crap is what I was expecting. Where you scrape the bottom of the barrel for the most B-rated movies in existence, you find this. <laughs> and then you're like, oh my god, it's so perfect. And yet to a person like me who doesn't watch these type of movies, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? It's so weird. It's it's like a jigsaw puzzle if all the pieces were out of order. Like, I don't understand. That's the beauty of it, though, is because, like, A, where you have, like, all the corporate studios, like, having so much say in the, in the final product of the movie, you know that this movie, the, the director had free reign to do whatever he wanted. Yeah, they had... No one was like, look, you can't do this. This guy literally went in and was like, fuck you. I do whatever I want. <laughs> yes. I have another thing. Why is it the only person that was affected and turned into a deadite, Sheila, comes back to life, no longer a deadite, but all the other skeletons are like, run away, run, and they start booking it. But anyways, she's alive. The skeletons are just running away. How? How does this okay. work? So that one I cannot explain because in every single movie and even the TV show, like the way that the, it's explained, 
her miraculously coming back doesn't make sense. You got to imagine they're shot half of these, like they have limbs taken off and the deadites keep coming back, right? Because the body is what they possess. The person's dead at that point. I don't understand how she did not become dead or how the, like you didn't destroy the book or anything like that or get rid of the actual evil. You just defeated the main Even guy. if you get rid of the evil, she's just dead. Yeah, right? I still don't get that. That was the one part in the entire movie I cannot figure that out. That was the only part in the entire movie you didn't get. <laughs> Excuse me? I'm pretty sure there's not a damn moment in this entire movie I actually got. Wait, now, now, did, did she die before she became a deadite? He no. was fucking made out by a deadite dude. And the, di the dude's like, nom, 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 you know, no, evil no. ash. And then all of a sudden she's just this deadite. She was attacked by him. She was molested by she was kind of raped by him, and I think the evil possessed her, so she became a deadite. But no one has ever become a deadite in any of the t in the TV show or any of the movies has not been a deadite after they've become a deadite. Like even the one girl was possessed by a demon, but it was a higher level demon in the TV show. It wasn't a deadite, and she was able to be exercised. Once you're a deadite, though, I think you're stuck a deadite. So I don't understand how she came back. And no one fucking else did. And there was no ceremony to it. <laughs> and you, you know what the best the best part is? The way she was taken away and the little stuttery dress in the air that literally looked like someone was holding up a doll and going with Tourette's and just shaking it all over the place. And how they all just watched her go. Just yeah. flutter away like, oh no! And then Ash is like, No! And then she's just slowly fluttering away. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world when I watched her get taken because everyone around her was like running and she was standing in place. Like she didn't even move. Like everyone was <laughs> freaking out and she was just like, oh no, someone seen me. Oh, and she, <laughs> the fake scream got me. Not in, not the actual thing, the fake scream. She opened her mouth, clenched her butt cheeks and her lips and just silence. But you know they edited a scream onto it. You know they did, because she closed her mouth and the scream kept going. <laughs> it kept going for like half a second longer. And then it just claps her on the shoulders and carries her away. No struggle, mind you. Just, she might as well have been T-posing as she was getting carried away. Like, that was the end of all the animation effort for her. She just got carried away as a statue. Like, <clears throat> oh. I, even, oh. even with shit. Why didn't he die when he dropped from two, three hundred feet in the beginning of the movie? Oh. Uh, Why did he just go bam? Oh. I think this movie, like, the more you think about it, the more it falls apart. But this is the, the third of the, in a trilogy of, uh horror comedy movies it's kind of what you're getting to okay this to me radiates the same energy as weird science but without all of the creep factor to it right right it radiates that, that strange what the fuck am i watching what is going on why am i trying to question this because it's pointless to because it's nonsense to begin with but this movie even though weird science for example had that they had a plot line Right? This movie, I guess you could call it a plot line. <laughs> but where did the portal come from? So it's the Why is it pulling him back? 
it's a continuation. I just don't get it. So it's a continuation of the first two movies. And then in, in the beginning, it does give you an explanation that he got pulled through the portal. It's a quick explanation. Don't get me wrong. It really kind of puts, smushes the first two movies in a very tiny, tiny little explanation. But it does explain it, which is why I was like, you could watch this as a standalone. Like, I got what he was saying from the the flashback from his previous story as a catch-up, you know? Like, you could do that. But if you watch the first two movies and then you watch this one, like, it makes a little bit more sense. But I just, when you're, I want, you gotta remember, I watched this first before the other two movies and I had no problem understanding okay. what I was watching. Nadine, you're like a decade older than me, right? No. <laughs> I'm not even I, I think I'm yet. a decade older than you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm messing, I'm messing. Well, you're in a different generation than I am, right? No, we're the same generation, kind of. you bitch. <laughs> no, we're different generation. So, the reason why I say that is, you know what movies I grew up on? I grew up on Marvel movies, I grew up on DC movies, I grew up on explosions and high-quality graphics. I didn't grow up on these type of things, right? And the reason why I say we have a generational gap is not to you know, traumatize you because you're old, which is totally not what I'm trying to do, but because, <laughs> but because your taste in movies is what my dad's taste in movies is. And that is strange to me because he would eat this up, spit it back out, and admire it on his plate, right? I can't imagine myself sitting in a theater watching this and walking out and be like, damn, that was the best two bucks I ever spent, you know? I just, I don't get it. This movie doesn't make sense to me, and I don't know why I watched it, but it's so good that I can't say I'd hated it. It's just, I'm, I'm conflicted. I have like a crazy like all over the place taste when it comes to like movies music and books. i'm so sorry dan you have to put up with that oh he does oh no does. and i will say like this is not a movie i grew up on either but just, I, I, I can't appreciate it very much you gotta remember i grew up with a very odd family dynamic so my taste in music movies books things like that i have my mom, my stepmom, my dad, and my stepdad. But their their tastes, all of their tastes are different. And then you got to remember, my stepmom had a son that's about 10 years older than I am. And so he came from a generation that had different tastes in music and movies and video games and all of that. So I, all of my tastes and stuff like that are some things that I found on my own that I really like or some things my parents introduced to me. And some things my older brother introduced to me. And so I did the same thing. I introduced my younger brother into all the things that I watched. And he's kind of like, like that. <laughs> Why do you like this? Because Why I, do I like this? So this is what is wrong with me? All of these movies are going to get introduced to me. So I can watch them and talk about how I feel about them. It's like bringing a freaking notebook to a therapist about my shopping list. You know? I just... I don't get... Thanks, Nadine. Um, but I will give them this. The music in this movie is on point. It is good. It is something I would listen to outside of it. I will also give them credit to the prop usage. How many fucking skeletal hands did they have to buy from the Dollar Tree for this? How many... Like, the outfits that they got... 
clearly are not accurate, but they look good. Why on earth does the woman have powdery makeup on Sheila in the 1300s? That's a really good question. I'm going back to it, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going back to the why the fuck is this happening again. I'm sorry. I just keep getting, I keep approaching back to like, why the fuck is this part of this movie? Yeah. It's like my brain is melting, but I'm enjoying it. It hurts. No, and you haven't noted here, like, they definitely dumbed down, like, the special effects and, like, the the style of this movie. It says it's in, like, 92, 93, but this does not look like a movie from the 90s. This feels like a movie from the 80s. Yeah, the original movie came out in, like, 1983, I think, so literally 10 years prior to the first one. So I think they tried dumbing down the special effects for this movie so that it would match the movies that came out in the 80s so they could keep going. And when you watch the TV show, it's... it's it's they have some special effects that are now but a lot of it is like stuff that you would see come out from the 80s they try to keep it as close to what the fans would love as possible yeah is it like aren't like the skeletons mostly like stop motion yeah they're stop motion if that was the actual live action camera shoots of them jiggling skeletons i'd be more impressed yeah definitely stop motion um i think oh there's another thing in here that like really stuck out to me um, of this movie that really just made me laugh way harder than I should have. And that was two things. How the skeletons had beards, mutton chops, goatees, amazing right? luscious locks, and they all right? spoke in different accents. Yet they're in a medieval time. Well, why are they speaking like I, I, it's comedic because it's fucking hilarious like why is this person irish and they're in the medieval times so it just technically it cracks speaking, me up if it, depending on where they would be located because this was a desert like setting this is my history coming out so let me have it um, oh no they're in a desert like oh setting. no so if this was an area along where the Silk Road would have been, it makes sense the graveyard would have had an eclectic ethnic background because in the graveyards you see along the Silk Road, they have an eclectic uh, background, like ethnic background. Like there's a bunch of different... I, 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 I get that. I get that. Why the hell is an American being transported to the Silk Road then? It clearly, and I, I will say this, it's clearly not located there because they have very American accents. All of them have very American accents. And that's obviously the acting, you know. But if you take it in a literal sense, you get a bunch of people that have sort of somewhat accents that are trying to make their accents. And then you have literal people with fucking Irish, Scottish, freaking Wales, German. All of these accents just coming in as, as it's just, it cracked me up. Okay. Oh, I'd buy, I'd I buy the Socrates explanation. I'll put this out there right now. In the Silk Road in fucking China, you will find basically mummified bodies and it's actual Celts. You have Celtic people there. They have oh, red hair. I thought you were going to say mummified bodies of Americans. Not Americans. But <laughs> they put on their accent for it. A lot of them try to like talk in an accent. They don't do great. I'm going to be honest with it. <laughs> They're pretty <laughs> terrible accents, which makes it that much funnier. But like, if that was explanation, it would actually kind of make sense. Because 1300s is the Middle Ages, I'm pretty sure. And the Silk Road, I think, ended in 1453. So that would be around the time period. You know what I mean? 
hey, it, it, with that climate, weren't, weren't some of the bodies preserved in a way that they you could still see their hair color and stuff? No, I mean, not really. Wait, say that again? They I thought, I thought they, they did. I, I thought you, you showed me some of the pictures from like, those like graveyards of like oh, some yeah. of the bodies are preserved have... so that you can still see their hair color. Mm -hmm. They have the, um, oh, fuck, what's her name? Uh, it's the beauty of something. Hold on. The beauty. Yeah. Yeah, where she's almost perfectly preserved. Yeah, so, yeah, so there you go. That's why they, that's why the Deadites still have hair. But go. what kills me is that all of their skin has decayed off so perfectly that they're just bones. But they have this luscious beard. They have these amazing mutton chops. Luscious Thor-like hair. They have it put into a Viking ponytail, for God's <laughs> sake. And yet, it's just, it's, it cracked me up when I saw them walking up like that to this clearly, you know, medieval, um, medieval castle. And then the way they screamed was all the exact same way, too. Ah! Oh! Oh! It was just, it killed me. That... Like, that entire scene of the movie, the battling scene, is probably my favorite one before they got into the castle. After, it wasn't really as funny. It still was. But before, oh my god. It was so good. Okay. The 4,000-year-old Chinese mummy is acclaimed as a Scot. Oh no, she's still on it. I'm still on it. <laughs> so she was, she was found along. She was probably Celtic or Scottish. She had red hair. She had the... Uh, kilt-like dress. She still got the red hair. Like, so it totally makes sense with them having hair on the skeletons, kind of. A little bit. Not really. Not the skeleton portion. If they were more mummified, I'd get it. This bitch still has eyelashes. She's like 3,000 years old, 2,000 years old. 4,000. I'm sorry. She's 4,000 years old. Oh, God, man. I just... <laughs> There is something about there's something about this movie that makes you there's something about this movie which makes you question your life. And first off, why you're watching it, but second off, why it's so fucking hilarious. And third off, why these dumb little one-liners are making me are making me laugh so hard. This is a dad movie. This movie was so funny the first time I watched it. I was dying while I was watching this. I thought this was the shit. In my teenage mind. And then every time I've watched it afterwards, I've never had any bad feelings about this movie because you watch it and you find something else in it every single time. It just kind of pops up. Yeah, like I, I will give it that. No, I'm going to throw this out there because I feel like this is a good comparison thing. So this movie has great one-liners, has really, really good uh, comedic effect, right? It does tend to straggle on a little bit on some on some jokes, especially if they don't hit you the right way. You'll just be looking at it for a minute and a half, be like, "Please stop," you know. But I think the best movie we've watched so far that I kind of am starting to pick that up from is The Fifth Element. The Fifth Element, their jokes were literal gold, every single one. Now these weren't that good. But the way that these jokes came out and how they kept extending it out, like, it just had that Fifth Element vibe. Was it as good as Fifth Element? No, nothing as good as Fifth Element. I think that's going to be one of my... That should have been an 11, not a 10. But this movie just radiates chaotic comedy energy. And it's everywhere. Like, you can't take a fucking thing seriously about this movie. Not a damn thing! 
Everything is a joke. Even the even the freaking movie itself. Yeah, I think that's what the comedy does come from, just like the chaos factor. Like yeah. what you're seeing is so ridiculous, but you can't you can't turn away. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Not not weird science. Weird science you can turn away because it's creeping you out. Yeah, there were some parts that were hard um, to watch. But I mean that's basically what I have, Nadine. I am mentally melted thinking about this movie. I really don't know what to say else. Do you have anything else? Well, um, I mean, I don't know. I just love this fucking movie. I like everything about this movie. I like that they kept oh, no. the, the the monster so shitty looking. I liked how like ridiculous they got with shit, like the little mini hymns coming out of the mirror or the skeleton shoving their fists inside of his mouth. Um, I love, I love, I love that like they had like the typical in the like old school fantasy dramas where like the chick was like, oh, come save me. And then she comes back as something evil, I, like, and he has to save her, but, like, in a way where it's, like, comedic. Like, they did it perfectly, so it wasn't like, oh, I have to watch this again. It was like, okay, this is kind of funny. I can get onto this. Like, I loved all of it. Yeah. I loved the comedy aspect, but every other part of this movie is just, it hurts me. Like, I, I think I've described it enough. It hurts me how many other issues there are with this movie but it's so bad it's funny so yeah. like when you get a like it's not surf nazis must die right i'm sorry dan right. every okay. every okay. Season, every single episode it's yeah. not it's not like we watch it and we wonder why we're watching it because it's so bad no it's so bad that we can't help but watch it which is what dan said earlier like it's just straight up comedy and if this actually had like a legitimate story to it that was really cool and really enticing, I think it would be a shitty movie. Yeah. But because of how outlandish, ridiculous, and how high the director must have been to just casually create this is what's funny. Yeah, that, that definitely comes through. Just like you could feel like whoever made this movie, they had a good time doing it. And it radiates through like just every scene. It's so ridiculous. But like it's it just it just pleasant to watch. Like it is pleasant's the word, but it's just it just there's just something comforting about this movie. Yeah. It's, it's not that it's so bad, it's good, it's just it it just owns itself as a as a terrible movie and Oh, it so, and I think that's that's the that's the trope yeah, like, on it as well. Like yeah. it's laughing at itself for being so bad because it's mimicking so many other movies that were equally as awful but not as good and that's the other thing about this movie there, there's so many tropes that i feel like there's almost modern movies that like pay homage to certain scenes in this movie because there's even things that like i feel like dude like didn't did that happen like lord of the rings that came out like 10 years later but like i don't know there, there's just there is just a lot of uh Good. Like I, I honestly, some some of the Indiana Jones movies that I've watched, yes, that yes. are exactly like this. Indiana Jones, I had to say it, but there's still there's like some Star Wars like notes in there too. Okay, all right, all right. Star Wars is a, it, you can't say it pulled off of this movie. I think Star Wars is probably the one that cemented a lot of this crap. Yeah, just like the campy action adventure kind of. Oh, the really scene. shitty stop motion animation. Yeah. That is would never work today. 
But really, no, like, it's such, an, like it's such an old school animation art style. But because of that and how rare it is for me to watch something that has stop animation, it makes it that much fucking whole more hilarious. Yeah, it's like if you watch any like individual series, it's bad. But just the, the sum of all the parts, it ends up just like becoming a great experience for you. This feels like what um Fry from Futurama would watch in his in his uh in his downtime from his pizza you know shop. What? Fry is that kind of taste, John? You don't. You don't know. New York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad at you for that. It... <laughs> it's the same energy. I'm sorry. You... I, you know what? I can't help it. If I, you know what? I could tell you so many things that you don't care about, and now you're mad at me for things that I don't care about. Nadine, it's, like it's called it's equal like exchange. Saying. It's like you saying, "Oh, I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What's that? I don't know what that is." You don't fucking know Xena, you bitch. That show ended up outgrossing the show <laughs> that it started off of. It's like saying Angel did better than fucking Buffy. But in this case, Xena actually did better than Hercules. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I, don't, I barely remember. How did I hurt Xena? Jesus. <laughs> All I said was, I know Hercules. I don't know the other one. You, you wonder know why I know Hercules? Because I watched you know it because I'm a Disney child. Yeah, we're not you talking about Disney movie. Hercules. We're not talking about the movie. We're talking about Disney Hercules. Nothing else. We're talking about WV seventeen Hercules. I've <laughs> never seen the other Hercules movie. Well, we're gonna—it's not a movie; it's a TV show. I uh, excuse me. I don't just All go right. on Netflix, bored out of my mind, and watch every old shit that I can find. I Nadine, I'm sorry that my tastes are not the same as you. Child and it would come on and I didn't have cable and I. But you were born in like 1960. It's not my fault. 1991. All right, I I have nothing else to say. I'm just I'm done. I'm torn. I'm broken. I'm beaten. That's how I feel after discussing this movie. There's literally nothing to discuss but how ridiculous it is. All right, then are we ready to go over to whether or not it's a cult movie? Okay, y duh. I mean, yeah. What what part of this is not a cult movie? <laughs> like, you want a cult movie? Scrape the crust off the bottom of the barrel, and this movie's gonna shine back at you. What do you think, yep. Dan? <laughs> no, I, and I think it. I think this is like a rare instance as well, where like you get not just a sequel, but like the third sequel to an original cult classic. Because usually, like those sequels, like kind of fall off. Yeah, and, and they're like, not always. Cult. I don't think they can be considered cult classics either because the uh, the original got too big and it's kind of just a it's just a ploy to make more money. But this is still in that heavy set like cult classic. They kind of stay true to form, even while going all over the off the rails. And it's it's definitely a cult classic in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You I think it's a cult classic too. This movie, man. And this, this I, I think it's actually really interesting though that all three in this series is actually are actually considered cult classics. The show is considered a cult classic show. Like you don't get that often. Like the Puppet Master, yeah, the first one's a cult classic, but the rest of them, there's like ten of them. They're not all cult classic. I think it's just the first one. You know, Pumpkinhead. You know, you don't have that as yeah. like a fucking series of cult classics. There's fucking multiple of them. What about the fucking Oh, God, I can't remember what it's called now. The Leprechaun. They have multiple Leprechaun movies. There's only one of them that are considered yeah. a cult classic. This yeah, is like Scream. Is like... Right, they have a million. You only have one of them considered a cult classic. This is the first time I've actually 
like consciously thought about this, but like it's true. This is the only one I know of where it's three movies that are from a series, and then they have a show that came off of it, and all of them are considered classics. What about Predator? Same thing. Not all of them are considered the classics. Movies? Yeah, like, no, I, I know a I few of them are, right? A couple, kind but. of, but like definitely not not all of them because I think there's yeah. like five or six of them. Well, okay, to be fair, if you decide to snort crack and create a movie, it's going to be a cult classic, and apparently the director did it three fucking times. <laughs> and then he did a TV show. Hey, he's, he's getting paid to make the next, next Doctor Strange movie, so. And that's great for someone that snorts crack. A Doctor Strange movie? Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Nadine, let's rate this. What? Okay. I'm done. All right. Dan, uh, give me a warning. All right, I will give this movie a 6.5. Um, I think I like the two previous a little bit better, so that's why it's not as high as I could possibly rate it, but it's it's not a bad movie. It's just I, I kind of wanted something more like cemented in the horror genre from the Evil Dead movie, so wow. that's, that's, that's why I'm slightly, li- slightly lower. To be honest, if, if I was drinking... If I was drunk out of my fucking mind and you guys were here, this movie would be a 10 out of 10. Like, I had such a fucking t- good time talking about it. But uh, in reality, for me, this movie is 7.5. Not as high as Nadine, but it just hits the right notes with all their stupid little one-liners. And I have to tell you, I haven't giggled that much since I watched fucking Fifth Element. Every movie you watch is so serious, dramatic, and then you pull this shenanigans. Of course I'm going to rate it high. Seven point five. That's good. I think it's a good one too. It's, it hit three out of the four points I like in a movie. The only thing I didn't. There's literally nothing to take away from this movie at all, no, whatsoever. Nothing at all. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. The point is, is that this is a cult classic. That's the only point. Like the good music. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I would watch it again. It hit all of those. But there's literally nothing to get from from this movie at all, whatsoever. It's literally like. It's like going to eat fast food when you want to eat. You just do it, you know, because you're hungry. You watch this movie because you want to watch something. So, uh, I, I had this movie as an eight. Uh, it is a solidified movie in my heart. I love this shit. Sometimes I think it's a nine. I think today it's an eight for me. So, I, mean, I probably should put it as an 8.5, to be honest with you, because it goes between whether I'm just doing. everyone decides to be a 0. 0.5 tonight. All right. <laughs> yep. but is this one of like my, is this one of my favorite movies of all time? Like, I grew up with cult classics. This, how is this not a 10 out of 10 then? No. Yeah, no. I, of, the 10 out of 10 is fucking Clue. Clue is a 10 out of 10 for me. Princess yeah. Bride is a 10 out of 10 for me. Those two movies, like, how can you have them as anything less? This is a great movie. It's just not in the same league as those two. You know what I mean? But it's fucking good enough that it's goddamn close. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so good. It's funny. It's really shitty. But the shittiness actually makes it funnier because that's what they were kind of going for on purpose. And that's all the tropes from the original movies. And even if I was just rating this on based off this movie and I had never seen the other ones, which is how I first saw this movie, this movie, like, hits all the points for me. Like, it's got all the creepy factors in it. It does have some monsters in it. It's actually got some fantasy in it. It's got some mutable times in it. It's got like the really crappy oh, no. romance. Our history buff is coming it. out again. I fucking love this movie. It hits almost everything for me. I just had an envi- I just had a vision in my mind of you twirling around in your seat. 
Like, <laughs> you stood on top of the seat, you spun in a circle, and you sat back down. I love this movie. She is sitting in, in my, a spinny chair, but... <laughs> in, in my heart, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll give you this. Um, I didn't expect to enjoy this movie. Um, this is one of those movies that, like, when I first... When I first... Nadine, you really got to set up your movies better, man. You literally said, oh, you're not going to like this next movie then. And I came in with a heart full of glass. Like, I'm going to fucking bleed today, boys. <laughs> and I know, I just enjoyed it. And so here I am, still fucking broken. But now I enjoy a movie and I'm just torn. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think... <laughs> the only reason I'm, I'm like... I'm the lowest of you guys is because... One, I think because I never saw this movie as like when I was younger, like I don't have that nostalgia feeling towards it. And also, I saw first if you if you like if you saw one from before yeah. the other one, you'd probably like it because yeah, and I, I really like the first two. So like this was kind of a downgrade for me, but right, so that's 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 my only complaint about. Well, it. you also like Star Wars, so you can't really expect much. What does that be for me? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just messing with you. Well, that and you also like, chose Surf Nazis Must Die, so. So what I'm saying though is like I feel like if you watch the other two movies and you watch this one, it's like it, it it's almost completely different. I feel like if you actually watch this movie before you ever watch the other ones, you end up liking this one more, and that's how it ended up being for me because it is in the horror genre. It is a horror comedy, kind of like the other ones. The first one's more of a horror than it is a horror comedy. Yeah. Uh, the second one's definitely a horror comedy, and this one's more of like a horror fantasy comedy. It just gets more ridiculous as they go down the line. But the fact that they put it in a completely different era, the fact that they put it more medieval times, got a lot of fantasy in it, you know what I mean? And makes it put a whole different spin on it, which makes you disappointed if you've seen the first two first, because they are so much different than this one. And if you actually like them, I love all three. Now that I've seen this one first, and then I watch the other ones after that, I actually like this one more because I think you can watch it without watching the other ones, but you could watch all three of them in a row and like not have a problem and still love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah well, I, I just watched this one. And all I can say is that this movie is funny as shit and that's about it. <laughs> all right. Will we recommend this movie? Nadine, yes or fucking no? Um, obviously I would recommend this movie. It's part of my soul. Let's go. <laughs> all right, yeah. Dan. Yes, absolutely. This this movie, like, I, I think it's, if you really are going to look into cult classic type movies and kind of this, especially the horror genre or like, this is, I don't even really consider this the horror genre. It's more kind of a campy, spoofy horror comedy. Definitely watch this movie. It's, it's a prime genre. example of a... Uh, of I'm going to be entirely honest with you. Time. I'm probably, I'm, I'm just going to be real here. No, I wouldn't recommend this movie. Just... It's funny. It's good. It, you gave me a laugh. Would I recommend this to someone? Probably not. It's just like, there's nothing to this movie but comedy. If you want something funny, just do something else, man. Hey, hey. Bad form, John. Bad form. What do you mean bad form? I just don't like it. No, I won't recommend bad it. Form. No. Bad I form. refuse. You can't make me. <laughs> All right, let's end this podcast. <laughs> anyway, so if you guys have any movie recommendations or want to talk about movies with us, you can find us on Facebook through our private group, Snazzy Podcast. Uh, Snazzy spelled S-N-A-S-Y. Or on Instagram, at Snazzy Podcast. Or you can just email us at she's not a slut yet at gmail.com. 
If you guys like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help us get out there and have more people find us. We don't have that many like people who like know us yet, but I would really love to have some cult movie fans just shit on John, basically. And Excuse me. Oh, just as a heads up, we will be reviewing Dan's non-list pick, The Blair Witch Project. I don't understand how this fucking wasn't on the list to begin with. And that was released in 1999. Next, so make sure to tune in again. That episode will be released on October 28th, three days before Halloween. So happy Halloween, motherfuckers. And John, good luck with this one. You're going to have a real hard time. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Bye, guys. See ya. Save me. Bye.